VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. Friends, we do thank you for joining us today here on Crosstalk. This past Saturday, December 31st, 2022, breaking news alerts went out all over the world. The news alerts that Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI had died. On the evening before the three days of viewing that are going on right now, the Associated Press reported that at least 25,000 to 30,000 would come on Monday, but by the end of the evening, Fox News reported that 65,000 people had passed through St. Peter's Basilica. They report that before the general populace were allowed into the basilica, that prayers were recited. The basilica's archpriest, Cardinal Mauro Gambetti, sprinkled holy water over the body, and a small cloud of incense was released over the bier. Benedict's hands were clasped, a rosary around his fingers. His tomb is going to be in the crypt of the grotto under the basilica that was last used by St. John Paul II, they report. And tomorrow, January 5th, many in the world will come to a stop as Pope Francis presides over the funeral mass. So what is the significance and meaning of the funeral mass? Why is the world so fascinated by the Pope and the religion that he represents? Do the teachings of the Scripture support the papacy? We'll delve into those issues today, and joining us, we welcome back Mike Gendron. Mike is the founder and director of Proclaiming the Gospel Ministry. Uh, as uh, those of you who are regular listeners to the program know, Mike was a devout Roman Catholic over three decades. Uh, he was taught to rely upon the Church as being the authority above everything else. But as Mike searched the Scriptures, he found what he read in the Bible was in contradiction to the, the teachings that he was getting from the church. It was contradictory to the traditions that he had uh, received from the church itself. But he placed his trust in Jesus Christ as his Savior, apart from works, apart from, from anything that might be viewed as, as that which would merit God's favor in some regard, but trusted in Christ alone for salvation. Well, Mike now takes the Bible, the Word of God, as being his sole authority in all matters of faith. He's the author of books, Preparing for Eternity and also Contending for the Gospel. He's produced numerous uh, DVDs with warnings concerning false teachings and uh, versus the truth of the Scriptures. Mike, welcome back here to Crosstalk. Well, thank you, Jim. It's always a great privilege to be on Crosstalk with you because I know it's a great opportunity to share the truth with so many of your listeners. Mike, I was looking back over our Crosstalk files, and you were on the air with me February 12th, 2013. And at that time, we were discussing the breaking news that had happened that Pope Benedict announced his retirement. And that upended some 600 years of tradition. Normally, a pope will die in that position. That was quite an unusual step, wasn't it? Well, it really was. It was unprecedented. It was, as you say, the first time in 600 years. You go all the way back to the 15th century when there was a pope that actually abdicated from the post. So, yeah, Pope Benedict, his legacy will probably be marked by his resignation from his office. So tell us about Pope Benedict. Uh, Who was he, and uh, what kind of impact did he have upon the Catholic religion itself? Well, Catholics will say that he was the 265th leader of their religion, the first German pope in over a thousand years, which is interesting since Germany is a country that was at the very center of the 16th century Reformation. But as you said, in 2013, he shocked the world by announcing that he would resign from the office. He was an ultra-conservative pope. In fact, uh, he was considered as the doctrinal guru of the Roman Catholic religion, Before he was elected pope in 1994, he co-authored the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and that has become the doctrinal authority for the Church ever since. And as far as as Pope Benedict's theology, his view of the Bible was consistent with historical Roman Catholicism in that he believed the Bible was the Word of God, but he said the Word of God is bigger than the Bible, according to Benedict, the Bible must be supplemented by the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and I quote, 
which is a significant expression of the living tradition of the church and a sure norm for teaching the faith. So Benedict taught the Bible was always to be read under the authority of the magisterium. And Jim, the magisterium is made up of the bishops of the Roman Catholic Church, so Benedict was saying that the bishops have the last say about the interpretation of Scripture. In fact, the Catholic Church says they are the only authentic interpreters of Scripture. But Benedict also inherited a widespread sexual abuse within the Catholic Church, and he referred to it often as the filth that needed to be cleaned up. So as Pope, he was finally able to move against the clergy whom John Paul II, the previous Pope, had protected. And it's interesting to note one of the quotes of um, Roman Catholic Cardinal Timothy Dolan. He said, Pope Benedict, and I quote, the human family grieves the passing of this wise and holy man who spoke the truth with love. The family of the church especially mourns his death while grateful for the while grateful for the gift he was of good as a good shepherd and a holy father so just to pick apart that that statement he refers to him as a holy man who also was holy father and um Jim we know there's only one holy father and that's the father of our Lord Jesus Christ and all those who have put their trust in him but this is the deception that's coming out as the world looks to the Vatican to see everything that's going to take place, primarily tomorrow, as the sacrifice of the Mass is offered for Pope Benedict. Were, were there titles that he accepted for himself that belonged to God? Yes. In fact, I mentioned one, Holy Father. There's only one mention of the Holy Father in all of Scripture, and that's Jesus praying to the one and only Holy Father in John 17, his high priestly prayer. But he also stole the title given to Jesus alone, and that is the head of the church. We know that Jesus was the one who died for the church, and he's the rightful head of the church, but the Pope stole that title as well. And also Jesus said, I must leave, but I'll send someone in my place. And he wasn't referring to the papacy, but to the Holy Spirit, which is the vicar of Christ. And the popes have also stolen that title given to the Holy Spirit. So even though he never claimed to be God, he proudly wore the titles given to God alone. Well, uh, Mike, uh, you were in the Roman Catholic uh, religion for over three decades. Why is the world so fascinated by the Pope? Why is the world so fascinated by the religion itself? Well, Jim, you know, I always like to refer to Scripture whenever I can to answer questions, and I believe God's Word gives us the answer. It was Jesus who said, The world would love its own, but hate those he has chosen out of the world. So Pope Benedict was one of the world. He was never called out of the world, a chosen one, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus even said, Many are on the broad way that leads to destruction. And the reason many are on the Broadway is because it seems right to a man, but in the end it's the way of death, Proverbs 14:12. And I think Paul also implied that the people that are fascinated by the Pope are actually walking with the God of this world. And we know from 2 Corinthians 4 that the devil is the God of this world who's blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel or the glory of Christ. And so... They are deceived, and they don't even know it because they do not know the truth. And that's why I'm so thankful for programs like Crosstalk, where we can make the truth known. Mike Gendron with us here today. Uh, Mike, uh, as you heard in my introduction, I was sharing what the news had been saying before the public came in. Uh, they talked about the sprinkling of the, the, the holy water uh, on his body, uh, the cloud of incense uh, released near him. What is the significance of the holy water sprinkling and, and the cloud of incense? Yeah, holy water is considered a Roman Catholic sacramental, and it's often sprayed on people during high mass, and it's um, a sacramental that helps the Catholic grow more in his faith, and it also is said to fight and prevent the coming of the evil one against them. And so the incense, on the other hand, is, is more of a, a visual of the prayers going up to heaven for Pope Benedict. 
And uh, what makes a water holy? Well, the priest or the clergy uh, just um, blesses it. They uh, do the sign of the cross over the holy water, and that's making it holy. And I always wondered after I left the Catholic Church, because as you walked into the church, you always dipped your finger into the holy water, and, and then you made the sign of the cross. But I wondered, how can it be holy when everybody's dirty fingers are going into it? But anyway, that's Roman Catholic theology, that once it's blessed by a clergy member, it becomes holy. And, and then what about the rosary that's around his fingers? What, what does that represent? Well, it represents um, 53 prayers to Mary. It was uh, first introduced in the Catholic Church in the 13th century by Peter the Hermit. And it's just repetitious prayers to Mary. And we know from Deuteronomy 18 that we are not to consult the dead, and so it's an abomination before God to pray the rosary. And what is the significance of where he is lying right now at St. Peter's Basilica? Well, it's interesting because St. Peter's Basilica was actually built by the selling of indulgences. That was one of the sparks of the Reformation over 500 years ago. And the selling of indulgences is the remission of temporal punishment for sin. And so the Catholic Church was selling forgiveness, God's forgiveness for money. And so a lot of that money went to build St. Peter's Basilica. Mike Gendron with us on Crosstalk today. We're talking about the passing of a pope. Uh, Mike, as uh, we look at the death of Benedict right now, uh, how will this death impact Pope Francis? How will it impact the Roman Catholic Church? Yeah, I did a little research, and one Vatican official said it will mean that Pope Francis will now be free to do as he wants without Benedict's influence, because as we know, Benedict was very conservative. But at 86, Francis has his own health troubles, and it's possible that he may institute a new law or a new um, procedure where uh, a pope, an aging pope, might be able to retire in grace and uh, we'll have to wait and see, but um, he has suggested that he might retire, and I think he was probably waiting for Pope Benedict to retire, or, I'm sorry, to pass away before he retired. And so his talk about becoming impaired for medical reasons is uh, definitely something to consider in the days and weeks ahead. you think the Church will be impacted by this death as well, the Catholic Church? Yeah, I think so, because, uh, again, Pope Francis was influenced by Pope Benedict's conservatism, and Pope Francis, as we've talked before on your show, is one of the most liberal popes that the Catholic Church has ever had. He doesn't even represent historic Roman Catholicism, and so I think he'll continue down that road, and no telling where it will end up, but he may even make, uh, make it possible for women to become priests. Well, friends, we're going to take a quick break here as we're talking with Mike Gendron uh, from Proclaiming the Gospel Ministry. When we come back from the break, we're going to have Mike explore what's going to be taking place tomorrow during the funeral mass, and then also, how does all of this line up with the authority of the Scripture? Uh, so stay with us. We'll be back in just one minute. You're listening to Crosstalk on the VCY American Network. to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist and creation researcher with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, how long have spiders been around? Chris, spiders have been around evidently since creation, and even now evolutionists are admitting they've been around for a long, long time. Recently, a very well-preserved fossil spider was found in rock dated by evolutionists to be about 300 million years old. Yet it was identical to a modern-day spider, complete with eight legs and even the intricate web-spinning features of modern spiders. The point is, Chris, there's no such thing as a simple organism. They're all complex, right from creation, with all of the abilities that we now attribute to them. Spiders may have had a different lifestyle back before the curse, but there is no such thing as simple to complex evolution, even among spiders. They were created, just like it says back in Genesis. To learn more about creation, get our free DVD called That's a Fact. Call us at 800-628-7640 and mention the promo code FACT. 
passing of a pope. Our topic today, Mike Gendron is our guest, founder and director of Proclaiming the Gospel Ministry, and uh, commenting on the death of uh, Pope Benedict the uh, 16th. As a matter of fact, uh, Mike had mentioned that uh, he had been a, a co-author of the Roman Catholic Catechism and uh, very much ingrained in, in the teachings that are coming forth from the Catechism itself. We'll be looking as to how that lines up with the authority of Scripture as well. But, Mike, uh, as uh, there have been ten th- tens of thousands uh, each day that have been going by the, 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 the body of the Pope, uh, tomorrow being the funeral mass, uh, what will be taking place tomorrow? Uh, what what will people who observe this, what will they see? What is the significance of the funeral mass? Well, all eyes are going to be focused on St. Peter's Basilica tomorrow because it'll be the first time a pope has offered the sacrifice of the mass for a previous pope. And Pope Francis and all of his cardinals and bishops will enjoy um, all this worldwide television coverage. They will masquerade as ministers of righteousness in their purple and scarlet robes. The pomp and pageantry of their pagan traditions and the grandeur of their corrupt religion will bewitch the gullible world into believing this is what Christianity is all about. And this is what really troubles my spirit, Jimmy, because um, so many people look at Roman Catholicism as a valid expression of Christianity. But the global media will be the Pope's willing partner in spreading his preferred theology tomorrow. And many non-Catholics that will be tuned in do not know what takes place during the sacrifice of the Mass or why it will be offered for Pope Benedict. And so, just briefly, the Mass is when the priest believes he has the power to call Jesus Christ down from heaven to continue the work of redemption on an altar that he once finished on the cross. And I know Catholics might say that, Mike, you don't know what you're talking about, but I refer to the statement from the official imprimatur of the Roman Catholic Church, and I quote, when the priest announces the words of consecration, he reaches up into the heavens and brings Christ down from his throne and places him upon the altar to be offered up again as the victim for the sins of man. It is a power greater than that of saints and angels. The priest speaks, and lo, Christ, the eternal and omnipotent God, bows his head in humble obedience to the priest's command. And so this is what's going to take place tomorrow. Pope Francis is going to call the Lord Jesus Christ back down from heaven and then transubstantiate his physical body and blood, soul, and divinity into a Eucharist and then He will offer that Eucharistic Christ up to God as a propitiatory sacrifice for Pope Benedict. And it's really interesting because even though Catholics refer to their popes as Holy Father, Pope Benedict will be suffering in purgatory. And the Mass that is offered tomorrow is an indulgence that will shorten the time that anyone has to spend in purgatory to have their venial sins purged away. So viewers are going to see a lot of Roman Catholic theology tomorrow that goes directly against the gospel and the once-for-all finished work of redemption of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross 2,000 years ago. So, Jim, it's good that we're covering this before so that people will be able to see with their own eyes what's taking place tomorrow. So you're saying that these prayers that will be given tomorrow will be to to shorten the time that he's in purgatory? Yes, even though they referred to him as Holy Father, they recognized he had venial sins that had to be purged away in this fictitious place called purgatory. Mm -hmm. And so the Mass will shorten his time there, but they don't know how many Masses have to be said before his soul is released from purgatory. Mike, I I read in the very introduction of our program today that, that you uphold the authority of the scriptures, as do we here at VCY America. So as we look at the scriptures, does the Bible support the papacy? Well, no, but the Roman Catholic Church believes that Matthew sixteen eighteen is the support for the papacy. And, and that's where Jesus asked the question, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus then said, Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. So what Peter had just done was made a profession of faith 
that Jesus said was revealed to him by his Father in heaven. And so anyone that wants to join the Church of Jesus Christ must make the same profession of faith that Peter did. And so we know that Jesus was not building the church upon Peter and naming him the first pope because a few moments later when Jesus said, before I build my church, I must first die for my church. And Peter said, Lord, Lord, may it never be. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You have in mind the things of men rather than the things of God. So clearly Jesus would not build his church upon a man that he had to rebuke a few moments later calling him the mouthpiece of the devil. But Jim, there's more there's more scriptures to consider. When Paul listed the authority structure of the church in 1 Corinthians 12:28, he did not list the papacy as part of that authority structure. And then Jesus even rebuked the idea of a hierarchy to rule over the church in Matthew 20 verses 25 to 26. But I think the biggest proof of all that Peter wasn't the first pope is his epistle, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. He referred to himself as an elder and not the supreme pontiff. And then we know at the first Jerusalem council, it was James and not Peter who was the leader of the Jerusalem council. So clearly the scriptures show that the papacy was not ordained by Christ, who was the, gave us the blueprint for his church, and many scriptures go against it. So when you take a look at the Evangelical Church, Mike, uh, how does the Evangelical Church today view the papacy? How do they view Pope Benedict? Well, many evangelicals are praising Pope Benedict as being a great spiritual leader. And this is troubling because they're giving honor and praise to the former head of an apostate church, which keeps over a billion people in spiritual darkness and I know there's some names that your audience will recommend or recognize. Robert Jeffers, the pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, he said the Pope was a wonderful, dedicated Christian man, and we celebrate the ministry he's had. He said that on TV, and Al Mohler interviewed a Roman Catholic cardinal. Al Mohler's the president of Southern Baptist uh, denomination. He said in an interview... I'm sorry, the Southern Baptist Seminary. He said in an interview on his radio show that Pope Benedict was one of the most brilliant theological minds of our times. And so, Jim, we know that the study of theology is the study of God. And when Al Mohler calls Pope Benedict a false prophet... I'm sorry, I'm losing you here, Mike. When oh. Al Mohler calls Pope Benedict one of the most brilliant theological minds of our times, this is a man who is under divine condemnation for teaching a false and fatal gospel. And I refer to Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 9, where anyone who comes preaching another gospel is under anathema. So few evangelicals have had the courage to expose the Pope's false gospel that shuts the kingdom of heaven to those who want to enter. But we need to be exhorted as the Apostle Paul exhorted us. We're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ. And Jim, I think John MacArthur has always had a clarion voice regarding the Roman Catholic Church. I'd just like to share one of his quotes. In the long war on the truth, the most formidable, relentless, and deceptive enemy has been the Roman Catholic Church. It is an apostate, corrupt, heretical, false Christianity. It's an affront to the kingdom of Satan. Mm -hmm. So as faithful servants of our Lord Jesus, we must take the same stand and speak the truth in love and contend earnestly for the purity and the exclusivity of the gospel. Mike Gender and our guest here today. Uh, Mike, we know also the scriptures speak of what a true prophet is and what a false prophet is. There's warnings against false prophets. Uh, as you look at the scriptures and you look at the evidence coming forth from Benedict's life, what is your conclusion? 
Well, as I shared, um, the evidence is in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which he co-authored, and in that catechism, he presents a gospel of works and keeping the law and sacraments as necessary for salvation. And of course, this is a gospel that is distorted from the true gospel. It's not a gospel. In fact, Apostle Paul said, if you believe anything else other than the gospel, you believed in vain. No, the gospel is about Christ alone. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, all for the glory of God alone. And by the authority of Scripture, we must say that Pope Benedict was a false prophet. Mike Gendron with us. And let me ask you this, Mike. You were in the Roman Catholic Church for over three decades. Are, are you just saying these things somehow to get even? Are you embittered? Are you trying to d- divide people? Or do you hate Catholics? Or d- tell us where you're coming from. Well, I'm glad you asked, but the Lord Jesus came to divide father against son, mother against daughter. It's the gospel that divides believers from unbelievers. No, I have a great compassion for Roman Catholics. This is not a ministry of division, but a ministry of proclaiming the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and exposing the evil deeds of darkness. Jim, there's nothing more wicked than to deceive people about life's most critical issue, and we need to stand against the Roman Catholic Church and its false gospel so that Catholics can know the truth. The very nature of deception is that people do not know they're deceived until they're confronted with the truth, and that's what our ministry is all about. We love Roman Catholics, but we hate the religion that deceives them. Mike, uh, for listeners, you've taught on this issue. You have a DVD entitled Prophecy and the Pope. Tell us about it. Yes. We're living in the last times by all signs that are presented, and this DVD actually shows the eschatology of the Roman Catholic Church and how the Pope is instrumental in bringing about a global religion that we know will one day worship the Antichrist, and there will be a false prophet that points the world to the Antichrist. So this DVD takes Bible prophecy, and it lays it out to suggest that the office of the papacy, if we're living in the season of the Lord's return, may very well be the false prophet that deceives the world and unites the world in a global religion. So this DVD is an excellent one to share with Roman Catholics. The Catholic Church believes that Jesus will not return again until the whole world is made Roman Catholic. And so that's why there's this push for ecumenical unity and this push for a global religion. Now, you're offering this DVD at a discount for our Crosstalk listeners today? Yes, we are. It's discounted for all Crosstalk listeners, and we're also going to include a very valuable publication entitled, Have You Ever Been Deceived? Since the whole topic of our program today is how Pope Benedict has deceived 1.3 billion Roman Catholics. So it's an excellent publication that points people to the supreme authority of God's Word as the only hope they have for knowing truth from error. Mike Gendron is with us. Uh, Friends, we're up against a break, but right after the break, we'll provide you a phone number as well as a website where you may obtain this DVD, Prophecy in the Pope, and the complimentary publication, Have You Ever Been Deceived? So stay with us back in a minute. You're listening to Crosstalk. When it comes to eternity, most people assume they will go to heaven thinking their good deeds will outweigh their bad and God will allow them entrance. At most funerals, people will console one another saying they are in a better place. But how do you know that? How do you know if you will be in a better place? In the book, Are You Going to a Better Place? Author Richard Schmidt presents how you can know for sure that your sins are forgiven and you are on your way to heaven. See, after you die, there will be no negotiation with God. The scriptures provide the one way today that God's justice can be satisfied, guaranteeing that you will be in an eternal dwelling place with Him. One copy of this book is available for a donation of $10, three for $24, or five copies for a donation of $30. Call VCY America at 1-800-729-9829. 
So our guest today is Mike Gendron, and uh, talking about uh, what's unfolded since the news broke uh, this past Saturday pertaining to the passing of uh, Pope Emeritus uh, Benedict XVI, and uh, also all that's uh, unfolding here at this time, and and, uh, tomorrow the uh, funeral mass taking place, Mike giving us an alert as to what is the significance and meaning behind that. Uh, he is offering, he's uh, done a, a teaching on this called Prophecy in the Pope. It's on DVD. The, uh, he does have it as a discount on his website uh, here for the time being. Uh, and uh, you can go to uh, proclaimingthegospel.org, proclaimingthegospel.org, and uh, click on store, then on video messages, and you'll see where you can obtain that. They also will be giving those who obtain the DVD a complimentary publication, Have You Ever Been Deceived? And, uh, Mike, I know also with that uh, that DVD message, you even have a second message on there as well. That's right. It's prophecies surrounding the rapture, and since we're in the season of the Lord's return, it's a very encouraging message for people to look up, knowing our redemption is nigh. The website, again, is the proclaimingthegospel.org. Uh, we'll be giving you a phone number here just a little bit later because uh, Mike's on the line, not able to take your calls right now, so we'll get that out to you here a little bit later. But, friends, we'd like to open our phone lines here on Crosstalk, and and maybe you've got questions about what he has uh, said today on the program. We welcome your phone call. Our number is 800 733 Nine eight two nine. That's to crosstalk. You can speak directly with Mike. One eight hundred seven three three nine eight two nine. Maybe there's some questions on on things he has said that you don't quite understand, or uh, perhaps uh, just need some further clarification on it. As we are uh, talking here today regarding the uh, passing of the. Uh, uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict the Sixteenth. I don't think we've ever had such a title before, have we? Pope Emeritus? No, it's first time ever. First time ever utilized, and and it's uh, such that uh, uh, the the church now even looking at uh, creating a different set of rules or laws for for a pope that may retire in the future and how to handle that. And Mike, I saw even whether that that individual should be able to wear white or go back to you know a different sort of garb and so forth. Right, yeah, they've got a lot of things to think through, because, you know, in earlier times, popes died earlier, 60, 70 years old, but now we've got popes living into the 80s and 90s, so they've got to come up with a new plan. So, friends, we're taking your calls today here on Crosstalk, our number 800-733-9829. We have Christina calling from Arizona. Hi, Christina, you're on the air. Hi, thank you so much. I really do appreciate your program, and particularly this one here. Mm-hmm. I just want to make a comment. Um, it's really interesting uh, that, and I'm not advertising any denomination, okay? Mm-hmm. But I want to say that it's interesting that the Seventh-day Adventist Church has preached, or used to preach, that the Pope was precisely the Antichrist, and that he was the beast, that uh, the, he was the woman that writes the beast of Revelation 17, and also the beast that comes out of the sea of Revelation 13. Um I find it amazing uh, that now we have somebody that's doing this, uh, Mike particularly, preaching this message, when for 175 or 178 years the Seventh-day Adventist Church preached that, or less than that perhaps, because they kind of have gone back to Rome, and now they're uh, kind of, uh, you know, hugging and kissing with the papacy, Mm -hmm. where that used to be not so. Uh, but I, but I, but I'm thankful that another group uh, is is um, picking things up and sharing the truth with the people because we're talking about two billion Catholics and there's a lot of good people there. My grandmother was a Catholic. I was a Catholic. And I also came out of that error and sure. uh, all well, that all, all that man-made uh, doctrines uh, that that they have created. Actually, so thank you. I. Thank you for the call. I have my comment on that. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, Christina, that's what the Reformers believed as well, that the Pope was the Antichrist. So I believe the Pope is the false prophet, but um, we'll we'll see. We're living in very interesting times for sure. We've got Nick calling from New Berlin, Wisconsin. Nick, you're on the air. Hi. Uh, My youngest son has converted to Catholicism, and as I speak to him and tell him the things out of the Bible, he continues to tell me the Bible is 
corrupted. How do I get past that? Well, he has to look to the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church says it is the Word of God, the inspired Word of God. The only problem, the Catholic Church doesn't believe it's the supreme authority. So every every Word of God is inspired. We see that in 2 Timothy 3.15 and 16. So uh, we know that we can um, trace the copies of the manuscripts that we have today back to the earlier manuscripts. So there's no such thing as the Bible being corrupted. Now, there are corrupt versions, but, um, you know, there's some good mm-hmm. word-for-word scriptures that we can look at, such as... Uh, Mike, Mike, let me just ask you this question. Where would Nick find that information? You mentioned that the Roman Catholic Church says that the Word of God is is inspired. Where could he get that that quote that he could show his son, even though the Church does not believe it as such? Sure, it's on the Catechism of the Catholic Church that we've been talking oh. about, so you can find it there. Or you can just email me or call me later, and I can give you the exact quote. Great. Okay. Um, uh, email address? Uh, Mike, your email address where you can email you? Sure, Mike at ProclaimingTheGospel.org. Thank uh, you very much. Have a lovely day, you th- guys. Thank you for the call. That's Mike at ProclaimingTheGospel.org. Kurt is calling from uh, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Hi, Kurt, you're on the air. Oh, thank you, Jim, for taking my call, and thank you, Mike, for uh, all your knowledge on the Catholic. I have two questions. Uh, one, I uh, I received some crucifix. Uh, I'm not a Catholic, but I re- uh, received some crosses, crucifixes, and I wasn't sure what I should do with them. I've heard people say you can, you know, bury them or throw them out or burn them or something, but I didn't want to be disrespectful to Jesus. And again, I don't believe in that. And that's my one question. And what's your what second? To do with the- and then the second one is, have either one of you heard of a book called The Great Controversy by E.G. White? Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, Curtis. Go ahead, uh, Mike. I would uh, definitely burn, dispose of, destroy the crucifix. It is um, obviously trying to represent the Lord Jesus, who's no longer on the cross, and so Roman Catholics will look to the Eucharist and bow down before it and it's idolatry because we know Christ is in heaven. And so, yes, destroy those or burn them. As far as the great controversy, yes, that's a, a book that you should not read. It's by a false prophet, so Thank probably you. destroy that too. Thank you for your call here, Lois. And, and, and that issue we're not dealing with so much today, but uh, thank you for the call. Lois is next in Baraboo. You're on the air. Oh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I would like to... I have uh, Catholicism members in my family, and um, they uh, don't even go to church, but they still, you know, claim the theology of Catholicism. I wondered if you have uh, witnessing tools specifically for uh, Catholics that believe in their religion but want to be, you know, they question other religions. That's the way my relatives are. Yes, Lois, we do have many, many resources. We have gospel tracts that are so clear about what the truth is, and it exposes the error of the Catholic Church from the Catechism. We also have um, books that you can uh, go on our website. We also have some videos that you can watch on our website, proclaimingthegospel.org. That's why we have this ministry, to equip people like you so that you can be effective witnesses to your Roman Catholic loved ones. Do you have a catalog or anything you can send to people? Yes, or? we do. Just go no. on the website and ask for it, and we'll send it out. Okay, to and, the web, because yeah, I don't well, do transactions online. Yeah, you can just ask so. for the catalog. And what we will also be doing, Lois, in a short time, we'll be giving out a phone number as well. Okay, all right. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for welcome. all your time. Thanks for calling today. Uh, Terry is calling from Danville, Kentucky, and uh, Terry, you're on the air. Yes, thanks for taking my call. I'd ask him to just uh, briefly address the issue of uh, Pope Francis being a Jesuit and the fact that uh, he answers to the head of the Jesuits and, and what kind of control they have, what their agenda might be. Appreciate uh, appreciate everything you're doing. Be praying for you. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Terry. Well, thank you, Terry. Yeah, the history of the Jesuits goes back to the Counter-Reformation in the 16th century, and the Jesuits were formed 
to eliminate all opposition to the Roman Catholic Church and the Pope. And so we have the first Jesuit Pope now in office, Pope Francis, and even though previous popes have expressed a great desire to unite the world religiously and economically and into a global government, Pope Benedict and his Jesuit counterparts have been pushing the agenda more quickly than any other previous pope. And so we have to remember he's not only a religious leader, but also a political leader. He's the head of the Vatican State, and so he has many ambassadors coming to visit him. And his goal is to bring about globalism, so be on the lookout and contend earnestly for the faith. Thanks for the call. Jason is next. Hi, Jason. You're on the air. Hi, just wondering if the guest knows anything about Pastor Rick Warren. I have heard people say that he's called for a uniting of Protestants and Catholics or that we need to, the time for the Protestant Reformation is, is over. Am I hearing wrong, or did he actually say something like that? Yes, Jason, you're absolutely correct. Rick Warren has referred to Pope Francis as our Pope. In other words, the Pope of all Protestants, and he has met with the Pope in the Vatican. He's pushing the ecumenical agenda forward, uniting Catholics and Protestants together. And so he doesn't know the gospel. I mean, all you have to do is read his book, Purpose Driven Life. He leaves out repentance, the resurrection of Christ, and also the righteousness of Christ. So you got to stay away from Rick Warren. He's a false teacher as well. Hmm. Thank you, Jason, for Thank the call. Thank you, and thanks for the great work. Keep it up. God bless. I'll be praying. Thank you. Mason is calling from Boston. You're on the air. Hi. I have a personal question you might be able to help me with. I'm 68, ill health. My sister's 66, ill health, and my niece is 50 in ill health. She went to confirmation class, declared herself to be a Christian, you know, back when she was in grade school, and we find out she's not a Christian. She says she believes in God. And when I see her, I talk to her about it. I try planting the seed. Is there anything you can tell me to do or not to do to help Yes, me she with definitely this? needs the truth of the gospel. And we have a lot of different resources on our website that you can visit and either download or you can also order some of our books and DVDs that will be very helpful and so just uh, spend some time looking at our resources and give us a call later to today also, and we'll be glad to help you. Thank you for the call. Let me give you, uh, listeners, a, a website again, as well as I'll give you a phone number. You're not going to get through right now, though, because Mike's utilizing it to, to talk with us. But the website is ProclaimingTheGospel.org, ProclaimingTheGospel.org. And uh, you can click on store and see the video messages that are available. They have tracks there. They have books that are available there. Uh, and for those who get this, the discounted video today, DVD, Prophecy in the Pope, they are sending a complimentary publication, Have You Ever Been Deceived? Uh, their, their tracks or pamphlets have uh, lots of great information. Uh, after the program, you can write down this number and call after the program. Uh, their number, 817-379-5300. 817-379-5300. We'll be back in just a minute with more of your calls. You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. 2023, folks, is going to be a great, horrible year. I know. Sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? Reality is, it'll be great for those of us that have a biblical worldview. This could be one of the finest hours for Christians, for the true church, ecclesia, called out ones. Why? Because this is a spiritual battle in a material world. And those of us that understand the times in light of the Bible and Bible prophecy, well, we can take what's common to the culture and turn it into a pulpit. Look how many people are willing to listen to us now when we talk about globalism. We talk about so many of the issues like Marxism and Islam. Many people today are willing to listen that once discounted us. The Bible is coming true. The stage is being set for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Again, let's take what's common to the culture and turn it into a pulpit. As horrible things happen, the good news, we can proclaim the truth of the Bible. I'm Brandon House.
Now, if you missed the website, your phone number for our guest today, we'll give it before we close up the program just several minutes from now. So have a sheet of paper handy, a pen or a pencil will provide you that information. We're going next to the state of Arizona. And Anne, you're on the air with uh, Mike Gendron and your questions for Mike today. Oh, hi. Thank you so much uh, for taking my call. I'm in the car, so I missed the beginning. But I just wanted to make a few comments. I'm a Roman Catholic, and I'm happy to be one. Yeah. But I, I go to the traditional Catholic Mass, Mike. Mm-hmm. So I have a couple questions. Um, number one, uh, what is your belief in the Eucharist? Uh, number two, have you ever acquainted yourself with the traditional Catholic Church? Um, and I also just want to make a comment. Um, First of all, uh, tell you what, if I if I could have Mike address the questions, we got a lot of people lined up after you with questions sure, as well. Let, let me uh, answer your question about the Eucharist. The Eucharist is a false Christ. It is not transubstantiation as the Catholic Church teaches. Jesus Christ is physically present in the heavens, according to Hebrews nine twenty eight. He will return a second time, and not in relation to sin. And so the Eucharist is Jesus coming back down from heaven to be offered again on an altar as a sacrificial victim in a propitiatory sacrifice. That is a false Christ because Jesus finished the work of redemption on the cross, and now he sits in heaven waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. That's what the scriptures say. But the Bible tells us when Jesus will return. It'll be after the tribulation with power and great glory. He'll return the same way he left, and that was in a body, and he will return to the Mount of Olives. So there's so many scriptures that prove that the Eucharist is a false Christ, and to worship that is to commit the sin of idolatry. She also asked about the traditional Catholic Church. Yeah, I'm very familiar with it. Uh, They deny that this pope is legitimate. They believe that Vatican Council II was the beginning of the corruption of the Roman Catholic Church. And and for sake of time, I know you have further comments. We have multiple callers lined up and just five minutes left here on the program. So we're going to give you a phone number, an email address, and a website. You can follow up further with Mike, and we appreciate your call. Mary is next in West Des Moines, Iowa. You're on the air. Okay. Um, I was wondering, many of the fathers, our desert fathers, or the first fathers, uh, claim to be um, disciples of John. So when and how did this? priesthood of the Roman Catholic Church ever happened. How did it begin? Yeah, the the sacrosotal priesthood began really in around the 4th century when they instituted the sacrifice of the Mass, and that's when the priest is said to have the powers to offer Jesus again on an altar and continue the work of redemption. So we know that Jesus Christ, the perfect high priest, offered himself the perfect sacrifice and then he cried out, "Is finished. The veil separating the Holy of Holies from sinful man was torn open from top to bottom, showing that we no longer need priests. We have direct access to the Father through the Son. Thank you for the call. We're going next to Oscar, who is calling from Colorado. Oscar, you're on the air. Hi. Uh, I had half question, half comments. Do you ever stop to think that before the 1500s, everybody was either Catholic, Orthodox, or pagan. So, assuming the papacy is false, wouldn't yep. wouldn't the Orthodoxy be true then? Well, no, Oscar. In fact, um, that's a fallacy. Before the Reformation, there was the Lord's Church existing for the first 1500 years. In fact you will probably know from church history that the Catholic Church put to death the Albigenses and the Waldenses and John Huss and his followers. There were true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ for 1,500 years because Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. So it's always been in existence, but the visible church, the Roman Catholic Church, tried to do away with all the true believers in the Lord Jesus. So what about orthodoxy? Well, that was the split in the Great Schism in the 11th century, and um, the Orthodox Church is very similar to the Catholic Church. They don't submit to a pontiff, but they continue the work of redemption on an altar. So it's just as false 
in their gospel presentation as the Catholic Church is. Okay, thank you, Oscar. Jan in Upper Michigan, you're on the air. Uh, hi, yes. I uh, uh, I know time is short, so I was just going to say I used to be Catholic, so I won't get, go into a lot of detail, but mm-hmm. there is a question. Um, I do agree with what uh, Mike Gendron said. It was the statement that Peter gave that he that Jesus is the Christ, and uh, that was, you know, uh, why why he says upon this statement, basically, I uh, will, you know, establish my church. But has anybody in the Catholic Church thought about it? The Roman Empire was persecuting Christians, and they killed Peter. Peter was probably dead before <laughs> the Catholic Church even really got established and came into being, aligning itself with the Roman Empire. Uh, have they ever thought about that? Well, Jan, you're right on, because church history will show that the first pope was actually Gregory the First in 596 A.D., but Catholics don't look at church history. They just believe whatever their church teaches them. Hmm. Thank you for the call here. Uh, let's, uh, boy, we have just a minute left here, Mike, and I, I want to just give you opportunity here to uh, share what you would as a final word, a conclusion here for our listeners today as they uh, consider what's going on right now and uh, what's unfolding even tomorrow. Sure, more than ever, we need to test the uninspired words of men with the inspired Word of God. We must be good Bereans, testing every teaching with the authority of Scripture. And we need to present the gospel with clarity and with completeness, knowing that Christ Jesus finished the work of redemption. He is the perfect sacrifice, and that's who we must trust in, his death and resurrection for eternal life, not conditional life, as the Catholic Church offers. But may all of your listeners take advantage of our resources and spend this time reaching the lost before the Lord comes again. And Mike, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much, Mike. Always a pleasure, Jim. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. And I'm going to repeat the offer. I'll let you go so you can get your phone there. Okay. Mike Gendron, our guest here today on Crosstalk. And again, Prophecy in the Pope is available at a discount through his website right now or calling their ministry. Their website is proclaimingthegospel.org, proclaimingthegospel.org. If you wish to email Mike, uh, maybe you got further questions or a comment, mike at proclaimingthegospel.org. And their phone number, 817-379-5300. That's 817-379-5300. Friends, indeed, we do need to search the Scriptures. Thanks for joining us today on Crosstalk. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from BCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from crosstalkamerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.